everyone. Welcome once again to Podcast In-Death, the weekly podcast where we discuss the In-Death series of books by J.D. Robb. I am AJ. I'm Jen. I'm Tara. And this is episode 160 of Podcast In-Death. And in this episode, we are going to talk about fantasy in death. Yes. Yay. And, um kind of a weird one because the the yes. the murder is yes. kind of a little far-fetched fetched <laughs> yeah, not, maybe not far near fetched but maybe not i mean you know but we'll we'll talk about that um this one i i found interesting in terms of when i looked at for theme because obviously you know what i was also looking at some of the um reviews and everybody's like you know obviously this is about friendship and that's true it is about friendship yeah and that's probably the theme you know right but for me the other theme that stuck out was it was also about the game i mean really yeah i feel like it was about the game yeah game gaming and you know more than anything else because you know I mean, regardless of the friendship, I mean, that was what the whole murder was about. About, yeah. About the, the killer wanting to win the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's real simple, you know. Mm-hmm. But the other thing I found fascinating, <laughs> this one, they look at a bunch of stuff, you know, and um, obviously swords were all over this book. Mm. So many swords. You know. But not just swords, but alluding to swords. Yeah. <laughs> and also a lot of there, there was a whole speech, but I mean, the whole like conversation between Eve and Peabody talking about dicks. <laughs> that's my favorite. That is one of my, my favorite, one of my favorite exchanges of all time. Honestly, between right, the two. But, but then it's you so go fun. like, but why, why is this here? Why? Why are they talking about dicks? But, uh, you know, a couple of times <laughs> well, why in... Why are talking about dicks? Right? But really, I mean, it's it's a weird conversation that, to is. put in the middle of this book. Right. Any book, but, you know. Yeah. Um, because she just starts it up. It's like, out of the blue, Peabody just <laughs> right. says, you know, does the penis ever get tired never gets tired and you know like sure it's a random thought and you do do that with friends of you know with your friends you just random thought and you just start start talking about it but um they did you know i mean eve does make a couple of dick jokes having to do with you know swords like Mm -hmm. when she and rourke were going to go to their hollow room with the the sword she took the sword out Mm -hmm. of the um weapons room and brought it and she said something about let's go to the hollow room and and bring your sword and he he made some joke or she made some some joke about you know and the other one too like you know yeah and uh so clearly a metaphor for a dick Mm -hmm. which is very mature adults right (laughs) right but that's kind of why i think that's why this whole conversation between eve and peabody was put in because she was nor was making all kinds of references to, you know, mm-hmm. dicks very, as swords. Very phallic. <laughs> yeah. The, yes. The whole, yeah, this yeah. whole book was very phallic. You're right. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So ridiculous. And, and the fact that um, when at one point they came home and Somerset had uh, said, told them, oh, there's swordfish on the menu. Well, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
I did not go there and thank you. <laughs> right. I mean, because, yeah, because, you know, when I'm looking for a, a theme, um, I'm going to put yeah. in the word sword. I was just really, I love the fact that she put in just a ton of, you know, jokes. Yeah. Having to yeah. do with dicks or having to do with something else, but about swords. Right. You know, it's really funny. So, um, this book starts out with Bart Minock, and he's walking home during a thunderstorm. Yeah, he doesn't care because he's going to go play his game. He's very happy. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Um, he greets his doorman, Jackie, and goes up to his apartment where his princess Leia droid greets him. <laughs> and that's another thing I love about this book, like that yeah. he's got a princess Leia droid and she's in her slave girl <laughs> i mean i don't really say that but it's alluded it to that like a guy thing it really thing. is especially it's so especially classy. for like our generation it's like yes, yes. It's like the like that's the fantasy that's like yeah 100 percent. that droid <laughs> is going to be created oh god 100 yeah. percent. there's just yeah. no oh yeah there's absolutely. no doubt about that absolutely yeah. So Bart immediately goes to his hollow room to play a game and he's in this battle. He's um, Tor, king of Juno, and he battles the evil Lord Manx. Um, and during the battle, uh, this, and it's a hologram, this hologram, you know, swings his sword and hits uh, Bart in the, in the arm, but actually injures him. And when Bart realizes that he goes to stop the game, but then is, you know, the sword comes down again and just like chops his head off. <laughs> right. Game over. Right. Game over. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so even Peabody are, are called to the scene and they go into the hall room and they see the head there. And of course, Peabody's like completely squicked down. Mm hmm. Which I would be too. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a lot, yeah, man. That's pretty gross. Yeah. And uh, Eve's just like, how interesting. <laughs> you know. Hi, <laughs> Eve. Gotta love yeah. her. So he's just in the hollow room and he's, yeah, been beheaded. But there's nothing in the hollow room but him and, you know, no you know, signs of forced entry anywhere. Uh, there's no sword anywhere or anything that could cut somebody's head off. His head off. <laughs> um, nothing, you know. And the only reason they were called is because um, Bart's girlfriend said they had a date the night before. Yeah. And uh, he stood her up. And she was at first angry at him, but then, you know, uh, she got worried and that's why she stopped over to his apartment the next morning and that's when they found him and uh, she says it, her name is cc cc rove and she's telling eve she can't think of anybody who'd want to kill bart because bart was such a sweetheart and just a super nice guy and, and eve's like that's what i always hear right <laughs> people keep getting murdered <laughs> right but um in this case, yeah, I mean, but she's not hearing anything but the whole book. Not hearing anything yeah, but right. the fact that he's just 
a super nice guy. Right. Yeah. So that's suspicious. <laughs> why, why would we kill a nice guy? Because people are assholes. <laughs> right. Um, Eve searches Bart's apartment and notifies his parents by link. So Feeney, McNabb, and Calendar arrive on the scene uh, to go over the electronics. Yep. And they're, when they go in, they're just, all three of them are just like totally geeking out over. They're like, this right. is so cool. <laughs> Nerds. Yeah. It's like nerd heaven in this apartment. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. You know. <laughs> yes. Then uh, Morris arrives to examine the body and comments about the unusual circumstances of the murder. Is it, isn't he the one that says, you know, like his head was removed and like explaining like, that it was a blade or right. was that her? That was Morris. Yeah, that was Morris. I thought, I thought Morris yeah. had made that determination, but I couldn't remember because yeah. it was like I said, a week and a half ago. Yeah. Yeah. And um, <laughs> because it's, it's a clean cut. Right. But not many things could do that, you know? Right. And even if you had a sword that was that sharp, to where it can kill for those of you who are <laughs> who are forged in fire fans. Um, I mean, it's pretty hard to decapitate a body. Yeah. You, yeah. I mean, you'd have to, some of those forged in fire blades yeah. are, they're really sharp, but yeah. I've never seen the guy like completely like one blow, like in the, you know, ballistics yeah. dummy head comes off. It usually right. takes a couple of hacks, you know, but in this case, it was just like one, they think it was just like one clean swipe, essentially. Well, because they're always talking about also how, like, how strong the perpetrator would have had to be to do it. Right, which, which leaves the girlfriend out. Yeah. But maybe not the droid, because that's another one of her theories, like, oh, maybe the droid, maybe he, he had the droid playing with him and Something yeah. happened and the droid did it. I mean, because what else is she supposed to think? You know? Right. I mean, yeah. Um, so the next thing they're going to do is they're going to go over to, so Bart Minock Odin's, or he's the co-owner of a uh, game, a company yeah. called Uplay. And uh, so even Peabody go over to um, Uplay headquarters. And, um, of course it's, it's the same. It's like nerd heaven. Nerds everywhere. Yeah. Nerd. Nerds everywhere. And Peabody says it's nerd world or geek galaxy. <laughs> I can't decide. <laughs> I can't decide which, because it's full of nerds and geeks. And Eve says <laughs> it's nerd world in the geek galaxy. I mean, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's just so much. Yeah. Like I'm like, Hmm. I like nerdy things, but I, that's, yeah, that's a it's lot a little over the top. Well, I mean, you know, I've never worked at a place like this, so maybe it's not, this is how it is. Yeah, who that's, knows? that's true. That's true. They ask where the, you know, who owns the place and they're told Bart, but he's not in yet. And then, then they're told that they need to talk to Benny Lehman. Yep. So, uh, they go find him and let him know. And, uh, he at first doesn't believe him. Right. Then he gets the other two owners. So it's him and it's um, 
Var. 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 And Scylla. Scylla, um, yeah. And they're all, she tells them that Bart's dead and they're all, you know, devastated. Right. And Scylla calls her Rourke's cop. Yep. Right. Which I'm sure Eve just loves. loves. She loves that. She loves that shit. <laughs> <laughs> Says the partners learned that Bart was beheaded in the hollow room and tell Eve that Bart may have taken a copy of one of their new games, Fantastical, home to play and test. And they're telling her only the only them, the four of them have access to that game. Right. And that they're actually, actually supposed they don't to. Even tell, they don't even tell her that because they were surprised he had it at home. They weren't supposed to take it home. She, um, because when Feeney and McNabb and Calendar got it out of the hollow room, they got the disc out and all they could read was that the name was fantastical. Everything else is good. So she asked them what fantastical was. Yeah, it, it self-destructed. That's right. Yeah. 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 The, the thing self-destructed. Right. And, um. But they did say that they were, they had this, you know, rule that they were supposed to sign a game out. Right. Right. If they were going to yes. take it home. And the game had not been signed out. Right. What does it say next in the timeline? I'm trying to remember what happened what's, next. What's, it says next in the timeline is. Feeney calls Eve and tells her that Bart's hollow unit game disc self-destructed, so she sends a team to pick up Bart's work computer. Eve learns... Oh, Eve returns to talk to the three partners and discovers that Rourke had tried to recruit Bart and his friends to work for uh, him, but failed. Oh, yeah. Uh, of course he did. And then Eve is like, God damn it. <laughs> Rourke, you can't say out of anything. Right? Well, it makes sense. And you know what? Yeah, Here's the thing. Okay. okay. So since this came up, there's this whole string of videos this guy's doing on TikTok where okay. he is like, um, cause you know, everybody always says like, there's absolutely no way that Roar could own every single fucking thing. Right. Um, this guy's doing a whole, uh, series of videos about, um, who owns what in, in manufacturing in the United States. Right. And he's so, so far mostly focused on things that you consumers buy, you know, right? like for example, um, you know, oh, let's look at cereals and he will go through and find who owns what cereal, com what cereal companies mm -hmm. own, what cereal brands and who owns those cereal companies. Right. And I kid you not, every fucking thing in this country, maybe even the world is mostly owned by BlackRock. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. BlackRock Investments. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Almost every fucking thing. That's crazy. So, yes, Rourke could own every fucking thing. <laughs> I mean, it's possible because BlackRock owns... And it's not even just like BlackRock owns 5% of this company. It's, it's usually it's like, you know, 20, Majority. 30 you know, 40% of wow. a company, but like every single fucking company. That's crazy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's crazy. Except, um, oh, I can't remember the kind of, I can't remember the kind of, um, 
ice cream because he was looking at ice creams at one of them. And they're all owned by corporations. Every single one of those corporations owned by BlackRock. And except for one, and I want to say Tillamook. Is it Tillamook? I think it's Tillamook. Okay. Tillamook is not owned by any corporation that is owned by BlackRock. Okay. They are owned by a farmer's corporation that is separate from all of that. That's fantastic. So if you're going to buy, yeah, I love Tomac. I love their cheese. Their cheese is so good. Yeah. So we need to stick with Tillamook. Yeah. All those companies that, but everybody else is owned by Black. It's just crazy. It's anyway. Crazy. So yes, Rourke, Rourke again because yeah. Rourke is the new is the new uh, BlackRock. Okay. I think Rourke came on the scene and bought BlackRock. Probably. Right? Probably. During the urban wars and everything crashed. (laughs) In the urban wars when he was like seven. (laughs) Or maybe after. Maybe when it came out of the urban wars and everything crashed and he he bought BlackRock. I mean, that's why he owns everything. It's my new headcanon. I like it. I like it. it. Honestly. Um, So. So yeah, he tried to recruit Bart and the uh, and his friends, but they wanted to make their own company. And he, but he did help them, which is nice. He gave them advice. Yes. He helped them with business advice, and you know, that kind of thing. I don't know if he had seed money in it, but probably not. But maybe it, sound, I don't know. it didn't sound like it. Yeah, I just read that um, scene earlier. No, she. I think he flat out says he didn't give them any money. They had their okay. Own. Yeah, good for you, Roy. He had their building. He rented their building to them at first. And then right. Sold okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. And then they bought it from him. Yeah. Right. They bought it from him. Yeah. 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 Um, because Eve freaks out. This is your building? Calm down. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, she's right to freak out because every other building is his. So. Because he owns everything. Right. He owns everything. <laughs> um, so, um, Eve tells them that she needs a copy of this uh, game and they all freak out. They're like, oh, no. <laughs> um, because only those, the, those four people have ever like seen the game in its entirety. Like they, they are right. the only ones that have that. And, uh, but isn't it crazy that like, that none of them immediately left to, well, Rourke could steal this idea from us. It like came later. Like yeah. it's such a guilty response. Yeah. When they're just like, no, what no, no one else can see this. And then like they're get they're like, oh, also, like, we actually had a better valid reason to be like, uh, maybe not, you need a warrant because your husband owns this company, which obviously Eve knows they're not gonna do, and obviously they actually know Brooke wouldn't do anything with. But right. I found it a very, very interesting that that was not what and I couldn't remember I couldn't remember from the last time I read it, but I was like no one just jumped to that immediately that Rourke is your competitor. Right. Um, so kind of sus, guys. <laughs> anyway. Well, and well I they just trusted like, him. I feel like they trusted him. Well, they trusted him. Like the, they but the, yeah. naive when it came to the business side of things. They didn't really yeah. right. Well, that's why, that's, why, that's why they're fucked without Bart. Right. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. 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 It just was like, it was like that you had a ready-made excuse to be like difficult about it right. and you didn't use it. Right. Right. So, but kudos to them for not. I mean, right. right. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
So I think it's Scylla that finally comes to the conclusion that, hey, we need to make Rourke's cop a, a copy of this uh, yeah. disc and <laughs> let her have it. Yep. Rourke's yeah, cop. The woman is the one that finally sees some sense. You know. Yeah. After that, Eve calls Rourke and tells him about Bart's death. And uh, so Rourke offers his assistance in the case. Um, of course. And Rourke is very, like, broken up about this whole thing. Yeah. You know, because he really liked Bart. Like, it's very sweet. Most people like Bart, you know. Well, it would be kind of like if Jamie had died or, you know. Sure, yeah. I mean, he kind of saw this guy as somebody that, you know. Yeah. He was a mentor to. And right. Then they go to uh, the morgue. Even Peabody go to the morgue and um, Morris is telling them that he's detecting some kind of electrical burns along the, or inside of the wounds. Right. Which is odd. Very odd. He thinks. So she's thinking I mean, some kind of electrical sword, some kind of sword with an electrical charge or something right. like that. Then Rourke comes to you play and Eve comforts him because like we said, you know, he feels like crap. They discuss fantastical and Rourke offers to work with Feeney. Um, they're going to try to reconstruct what was on the disc. Right. And what might've happened. Um, Which sounds like super fun for all these nerds. Because yeah, they're nerds. <laughs> but there are nerds and we love them. They are our nerds. We do love them. They find a guy at Uplay that they think is sus. Yep. Oh, yeah. I forgot that guy's name. Roland Chadwick. Yeah. Roland Chadwick. I did a quick skim through the book this morning, so (laughs) it's pretty fresh in my mind. (laughs) Good. Okay. Before I laid down for a nap that I ended up sleeping three hours. (laughs) Right. That's an amazing nap. Oh, I, yeah. I overdid it yesterday, I think. Oh yeah, that happens. So, uh, so yeah, Eve checks with Morris. Eve speculates that the murder was done by one of Bart's partners or by some other e-geek whom he trusted with information about the game. And then they're interviewing, um, you play employees, right? She, she questions Roland Chadwick, who eventually admits to sharing some information about fantastical, um, with his part-time cohab Milton Dabrowski. Who has done some like time for e theft? Awful. He's that guy. Sucks. That guy sucks. He does suck. Yeah. He's yeah. He's the worst. Yeah. He's a dick, yeah. He's a dick and not in a good work way. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, this whole book is about swords, i.e., dicks, and true. Good point. So yeah. it fits in. That guy fits right in. Fits yep. right in. Yep. So Eve sends Chadwick to Central for further interview and orders that Dabrowski be picked up as well. She and Rourke, when they discuss Fantastical, Rourke says he already knew about it. Because, <laughs> you know, not, not that I have corporate spies, but I have corporate spies. I mean, right. let's be honest. You like, know, I, this I, is old news. I find information. I find it out, you know. Well, um, and like he said, too, is that they didn't, they didn't keep it as well contained as they thought they right. would keep it. As he they would. were all young and excited. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They trusted the wrong people. Yeah, so I don't even know that he would be like, I don't know that he would even be spying on them. I think he just probably heard it through the grapevine and knew probably. it. Probably. Well, and yeah. 
his people are going to, you know, because, you know, the their people are going to talk to his people right. in general, okay. not necessarily to be like gossipy, but just in general. Well, I mean, yeah, that it's a, you know, specialized fields specialized are, field small are, small. Yep. are small circles, small yep. circles. It mm-hmm. does not matter if you are in the most populated city in the country. Right. Yep. Promise. Yep. It is a smaller circle Agreed. than people think it is. Agreed. Right. Right. Yeah, so. Right. It's al- sure. almost guaranteed that some ding dong is going to say something to somebody. Yep. So even Peabody take Chadwick uh, in interview and with Eve playing bad cop, of course. Um, and he faints when he sees a picture of Bart after his murder. And Peabody plays good cop when he comes around. Eve, Eve storms out of the interview room. I kind of felt bad for this guy. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. You know, because he's yeah. just kind of a dumbass. He's just kind of a dumbass, you know, idiot that got it over his head with an operator. Right. Yeah. Well, you know what? Nine times out of 10, that's really like what a lot of these people are. Yeah. And that's the problem. Yeah. So then Eve takes Milt Dabrowski into interview. He tries to flirt with her. (laughs) Yeah. Yuck. Um, (laughs) Yeah. He eventually admits that he's seeing one woman and living with another part-time while also living part-time with Chadwick. It's like, this guy's a winner. Right. Right. He also admits to selling information he gained from Chadwick, but denies any involvement in Bart's death. And he's like, you understand why I don't believe you, right? Right. Peabody reports that Chadwick has admitted sharing all the information he had on Fantastical with Dabrowski. And of course he did. Um, Eve sends Peabody out to talk with Dabrowski's two female friends. And when he said, no, he said something about selling uh, the information to a guy named Lane Devon, who is the vice president of Sync Entertainment. Another person we don't like. Right. But I kind of liked his wife. I can't. Can't lie, oh, I kind yes. of like his wife. Huge fan. <laughs> Huge fan of her. Um, Eve uh, contacts Rourke and ask, asks him about Lane Devon. And he says, I'll meet you in your office because he doesn't want to talk about it, you know, in the bull, because he's in the bullpen. He doesn't want anybody else to hear what he has to say, I guess. So he meets Eve. This is what I found interesting. So I, I like when Rourke acts counter to who he normally is you know he goes into eve's office and right away says where's your candy i need some candy where is it (laughs) you know and it's like what are you talking about yeah she's like what are you talking about then she's like fine and then she like because she had taped it to her recycler right and he's looking at her like yeah inside the recycler and he and but in an evidence bag well, yeah, but Rourke is yeah. looking at her like, you had it in the trash? <laughs> and she's like making fun of him. Like, if you're going to be that delicate, like, don't bother, you know? <laughs> yeah, you don't, don't eat it. Don't eat my candy then. <laughs> so it's a, it's a very funny scene between them. It is very cute. And uh, so Rourke tells her what he knows about um, Devon um, Rourke tells Eve he thought about buying Sync the previous year, but decided against it because the company was in trouble. Um, Eve says Devon, uh, a vice president at Sync, 
paid Dabrowski $150,000 for information on Fantastical. Rourke says that it would make him a hero at, at his company. So that's why he did it. Um, they discuss the fact that Devon has just married a new young wife, and Eve tells Rourke to remember that she carries a gun if he ever gets a similar <laughs> idea. <laughs> Works like, like, yeah, uh, I got you. Don't worry. Yeah. Although Rourke wants to come with Eve to interview Devon, she tells him that he cannot because he's a competitor. Um, but she tells him that he can go with her to Bart's apartment later. So from there, even Peabody to go to the morgue again. Peabody talks about Dabrowski's three lovers and starts speculating on whether or not men's penises <laughs> and women's vaginas ever get tired. Uh, I'm going to say classic. yes for women. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it, I'm sorry. Every, don't, yeah. don't even think about it. Yes, and it's just such a great scene. It's so funny. Just such a great scene. I like cackle when I read it. Yeah, yeah. Eve getting the mental images of the the cocks. Yeah, getting a drink at the bar and you know, and, and well, I'm picturing cool. it with a cocktail with a tiny umbrella. <laughs> And a gold chain and a blaster. <laughs> right. And Peabody's like, you get the best pictures in your head. <laughs> I don't think I want that picture in my head. And then I I, I just love that, you know, she's um, Peabody's saying, I really think most Jainis would say, hey, don't even think about putting anything in here for a while. And then Eve's like, Jainis. <laughs> right. That I'm, I'm like, I'm with Eve on that one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a nice name for vagina, but it's not. Is it's it? not. <laughs> call it but what is it, it is, ma'am. <laughs> Just call it what it is, Peabody. <laughs> Bless you. It's okay. Uh, it's it's so funny, and you know uh, it does have to do with the case because then they, later they talk about um, Peabody says, "I just think it's interesting." Now take this Devon, and he says, "Eve's jaw tightened. Do not start on his penis." and she says a man ditches his wife about 20 years of about 20 years for a big rack and a fresh young giny and he's like oh my god (laughs) (laughs) so good (laughs) oh god and then and then Peabody's like maybe we should consult with Charles because you know he's he's the foremost expert on penises yeah. Although Rourke, you would think Rourke would be a better. I was going to say, Rourke can probably give him a run. Right. Yeah. And Eve's like, fine, you go ahead and consult with Charles. Write me a freaking report on same. But now I don't want to hear the word penis for the rest of the day. <laughs> <laughs> At the morgue, Morris shows Eve the burns that were found along the various wounds on Bart's body, telling her that they became increasingly severe the longer Bart played. Uh, The greater the electrical shock as he was wounded, Eve said that the sword itself must have carried a charge. Mm -hmm. Um. On their way to the Devon residence, Peabody tells Eve about game cons and the weapons sold there. And Eve realizes an electrified sword would be very popular there. Mm -hmm. She's not wrong. Nope. 
they arrive at Devon's ultra-modern three-story building after a brief hassle with the computer security system. Eve and Peabody are admitted into Devon's residence, where they're met by a droid, Derby, who looks and acts like Somerset's <laughs> brother. They're asked to wait in an uncomfortable, trendy anteroom. And I, because, it, it, you know, it was never said in the books, or in the book, but... Um, because I was hoping he would say like it was one of Rourke's droids and he like modeled it after Somerset. Oh, that would have been really funny. <laughs> he would never admit that to Eve. No, but wouldn't that make sense though that he would manufacture a, oh, a droid? That- he would, but he would absolutely not. He would. He'd be like, "That's coincidental. I definitely did not design that." <laughs> I mean, it, well, he wouldn't make it look about? exactly like Somerset because he wants to have the only right. Somerset, but pretty close to. Pretty close. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and or Eve tells them that she is investigating Bart's murder. Devon is brusque, but his wife, uh, Taja, Ta- Taja, is that her name? Tasha, I think so. Yeah. I Tasha. Tasha. I don't know. T A I J A. It's a weird name. Taja. Yeah. Taja. Taja. I don't know how Taja. Susan Erickson says it, probably correctly. Um, <laughs> Absolutely correctly, because she's his Erickson. It says, whose Bronx accent betrays her background, tries to be more hospitable. And I just really loved his wife. And, you she know, I loved his wife, but I also loved how Susan Erickson voiced his wife. You know? Yeah. Because in the book, she's she's saying things like, uh, I can't remember what what she says specifically, but the way Susan Erickson voices her, it, it's she's leaning really heavily into somebody who's from the Bronx trying to sound very proper. Right. Yes. And it's fantastic. It's fantastic. Love it. Devon is insulted when Eve asks his whereabouts at the time of the murder. But Tasha tries to soothe him. She goes to get him a martini. During her absence, Eve tells Devon that they know he's bought information from Dubrovsky and they read him his rights. And he says he wants a lawyer. Uh, Tasha re-enters briefly with drinks, but Devon tells her to go upstairs because he's talking business. Uh, He denies having anything to do with Bart's murder. He says since he paid for information, he could have paid to have Bart killed. Um, Devon says that Dabrowski originally told him he was developing the game technology himself and much later admitted it was stolen from Uplay. He says Dabrowski then blackmailed him since it would look as though he had hired Dabrowski to steal the information. When even Peabody... Well... Yeah, I mean, you know. <laughs> you know, what a tangled web we weave, right? Yep. Right. Um when Eve and Peabody both express disbelief in the story, Duvon says that it's just business. Eve says it's theft and arrests him. Then Eve tags Rourke to let him know she's back and then writes her report, sets up her murder board and does some thinking. And she and Rourke leave uh, for another walk through the murder scene. So I really like how Eve does try her best to like help protect Taja. Yeah. From that, you know, obviously she can't really, but just like, we're going to give it time, you know, I just, I really, because Eve is heartless and doesn't care about people. No, 
She's the right. worst. Yeah, she is the worst. Does not the care worst. about anyone. Yeah. So Rourke drives as Eve calls the lawyer who represented both Bart and Uplay. Eve notes that Bart's share of Uplay will be divided among his partners. They discuss the impact Bart's debt death will have on the company more attention for the short term but a loss in the long term Uh, they also discuss game weapons although eve likes playing and competing she doesn't understand the need to take the fantasy further through costumes game web costumes game weapons and recreating game settings Rourke tells her there's no electrified game sword on the market that would cause the kind of injury that bart suffered Eve says that there was gamesmanship involved in the murder, and she has to figure out what the murderer gained by winning the game. At Bart's apartment, they are greeted by the doorman. In answer to Eve's questions, he tells her that Bart was close to the Singh brothers and the Trevor boy. Eve and Rourke go to the Singh's apartment where they talk with David Singh, and they are served tea uh, by the children's nanny, Min. Singh tells them that the children are upset with the death of oh, their yeah. friend. I think that's so sad. It too. really is. Yeah. Um, because he just, you know, he liked these kids and he, you know, basically mm-hmm. used them as, you know, um, market research. Basically. Yeah. For his games yeah. and stuff, which is brilliant, honestly, but also, I mean, he's a big kid and he, yeah. 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 <laughs> exactly. You know. Eve and Rourke go to Bart's apartment and Eve tries to recreate Bart's movements the previous evening. She speculates that he may have let his killer into play. Eve said the Singh children could not have been involved in the murder. She and Rourke talk about them and about children like Bart who have grown up in loving homes. It makes them trusting, too trusting, basically. Rourke asks if she's worried about the kind of family that they, a cop and a criminal, would have. (laughs) Um, she worries about having more rules to learn since she hasn't mastered the marriage once yet. I mean, yeah. <laughs> She's like, I'm, I I don't like all these rules for everything. <laughs> what, you say something about, what if you, who's going to say yeah. no more pizza for dinner? What if I want yeah. pizza for dinner? <laughs> right, right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. You're, you know. Yeah, no more fizzies, because what if she wants one? Exactly. Because why not, you know? Because yeah. <laughs> why not? Well, and, you know, you can't really blame her. I mean, you're... No. I mean, she's got the appetite of a five-year-old, so... <laughs> yeah. Honestly, though, yeah. like, live your life, Eve. I mean, yeah. Exactly. Right. But that's exactly <laughs> what's going to happen. I mean, she's going to give the kids fizzies, and Rourke's going to come in and go, Eve. <laughs> She's going to go, what? <laughs> At least give them a vegetable. <laughs> right? Yeah. If you're going to give them pizza, again, let it be veggie pizza. <laughs> I mean, that's what's going to happen, right? You know Somerset's going to feed those. Yeah. I mean, there's there's just no way around that. Yeah. Somerset's going to stock the auto chef with, like, mm-hmm. nothing but cauliflower crust and <laughs> stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds terrible. That's Eve's literal fucking nightmare. <laughs> right? Yeah, that sounds really terrible. 
The other day, my friend was like, I was like, um, do you want to meet us for dinner before we do? I forget what the thing was. And she was like, um, no, I'm going to, I'm going to, um, have a cauliflower crust pizza and then I'll meet you. And I was like, I don't need to hear about your poor life choices <laughs> and your sad life. Okay. <laughs> Honestly, I will like, say though, if you get the right kind, they aren't terrible. They are. So that's the thing yeah. is, I've had them. Yeah. They're fine, but like, yeah, um, it's it's not a production, and I actually don't need to know right. that you had a cauliflower crust frozen pizza right. for, yeah. for dinner. Exactly. What what like what kind of low underhanded shaming are you trying to bring upon me when you know that I'm going to Swenson's, which is a cheeseburger place in Akron? <laughs> that sounds amazing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So feeling feeling like I'm being shamed. So maybe don't tell maybe me it's just cauliflower shut up. crust. Just shut right. up. I'm having cauliflower crust pizza. So yeah, go eat your I was cheese- like, come on, go eat, go eat your cheeseburger. You unhealthy. And I was like, I, yeah, and I'd be like, yeah, I fucking will. It'd be delicious. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> People. Yeah. Uh, but I, I'm no, I'm no better because I've been on my mom's case for wanting cheeseburgers every night. So she's set in her ways. She's set in her yeah. ways. Uh, listen, eat what you want. Just don't, you know, don't talk to me like, mm, no, I won't eat you for dinner because I'm gonna have a cauliflower crust pizza. Get out of here. <laughs> you can just say I'm eating dinner at home, right? I'm gonna eat dinner at home, and that, and that more sounds like I'm just trying to. You know, um, budget a little bit. Yeah, yeah. try to save some money, and that's right. okay. I'd rather you try. I'd rather you be shaming me about my money spending habits than my food eating habits. Right. <laughs> Anywho, moving on. Eve continues to speculate on who was playing with Bart and narrows it down to someone at you play. She believes the killer brought the weapon in. She believes that the motives were passion and ego more than money. Mm-hmm. And she's not wrong. Not wrong at all. She is not wrong. On the way home, Eve and Rourke discuss fantasy weapons, and Rourke offers to try and find the special sword that Eve believes killed Bart. After Eve's usual run-in with Somerset, Eve and Rourke change clothes and briefly separate. Eve gets dinner while Rourke makes some private calls and sets up the sword search. Look at Eve getting dinner. Yeah. Real homey. She's so homey. Yeah. <laughs> she tries. So, she tries. Well, she, you know, the, that's the thing. She does try. Yep. I mean, she doesn't always. Well, I mean, not that she purposely doesn't, but she doesn't think right. about it. But right. yeah. when no. she thinks about that it, happens. she goes, oh, yeah, that's something I can do. And she does yeah. it willingly. Yeah. You Absolutely. know? So. Rourke reflects privately on why he liked Bart, his openness and honesty, and why Bart's death has touched him so deeply. Even Rourke eat dinner and discuss Bart. They end up aggravated with each other after Rourke tells Eve that he's running level three searches on his employees who have been involved in developing the Hollow game that would be in competition with Uplay's Fantastical. Eve says he's violating his employees' privacy, and that's her job. It's my job to violate the privacy, <laughs> not yours. Yeah, let me do that. I mean, I think that's the whole argument didn't make a whole hell of a lot of sense to it me. Did not, to be quite honest with it you, it did not because it's like they're they're buttheads sometimes. You really are. They're his employees. They're his right. employee, and 
I imagine that they allowed, they signed documents that said that they could be, they could be, um, they could do searches on them on their background. I'm sure that they did. So I don't understand. I don't, yeah, I don't get the whole conflict here. They got to have something. Yeah, I guess so. So It's kind of just their nature to just fight about shit. Yeah. Well, dumb you shit. know, sometimes, sometimes <laughs> couples dumb argue about shit. dumb shit, and that's just how it is, I guess. Yeah. yeah. So Rourke gets annoyed and goes into privacy mode in his office. Eve, also annoyed, works at her desk running probabilities and checking Bart's and New Play's financials. She programs a reproduction of the murder. To answer questions about Bart's gameplay, Eve and Rourke set up a similar sword play program in the hollow room. They end up fighting with broadswords in Tudor area, Ireland, and speaking Gaelic. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, just the program also does that. Of course. Yeah. And it's the same kind of thing as earlier when he was on the phone, like a couple books prior and like, mm-hmm. yeah, you're speaking, she's, he's speaking Gaelic, but she hears it as English. And right. when she talks, it's Gaelic, but then, yeah, it's the whole thing is just weird. Again, yeah. some of that weird tech. Mm-hmm. Very strange. On the other yes. hand, I mean, yeah. just, just kind of like let it happen. A few years from now, is it going to is is there going to be tech like that? Who knows? We don't know. Right, we don't know. So, but it's getting scary. It, it, it the tech wrong. is getting scary. So you know, um, after several minutes of evenly matched swordplay in which both Rourke and Eve sustain minor injuries in the program only, they toss aside their swords and make passionate love. That's what this outline says. Oh my God. They do the thing. They do the thing. They do the thing. Um, because, because of, of course, course they do. Like what? <laughs> right. Of course they do. What you else know, they do? They went do? from fighting to like sexy fighting to like sexy times. I mean, that's just, Kind of their wheelhouse. It's what they That's do. how that works. From one kind of sore play to another kind of sore play. <laughs> there we go. There it is. <laughs> there it is. So, um, afterwards, still in the game, they di- they discuss its illusions, blood wounds, Eve's long hair, and reality, and how the killer could have combined them in Bart's game to kill him. Even Rourke then later, uh, oh, this says morning. So in the morning, even Rourke compared their results of their searches on Rourke's employees. Nothing was found. They discuss um, partners and love and talk about why they were irritated with each other and about why Rourke has been so upset by Bart's death. And why? Why is it? It doesn't say this in this uh, outline. What did he say? I mean, I remember he was, like, just, he was definitely upset just by the fact that, like, he really, really believed in this guy and he really liked him. But I don't recall it being anything more than that. Was there more than that? Also, um, in that time when they fought, and when they fought is when um, the line that I posted today on Instagram comes up which says she wondered why two people who loved each other to the point of stupid managed to aggravate each other as often as they seem to which is like a metaphor for this entire series really right right that's yes (laughs) okay so here's what work had to say about that 
Okay. I wasn't even mad at you, not really. I realized I'd hoped to find someone in that search, even if it was one of mine. It would be specific, you see, instead of this vague worry and wondering if I'd have to target. I can't explain even to myself why his death strikes me and where it, and where it does. And Eve says, he might have been you. If things had been different, he might have been you. If you'd had a different scenario to play in childhood, or some parts of you might have run along parts of him, we can both see it. So I guess that's why I went around you and you went around me. And Rourke says, and why, when confronted with that choice, we both got aggravated? (laughs) (laughs) It rings true enough, considering us. So. So that's that. Yeah. Okay. There you go. But also part of that is they're talking about the all the friends in that company and how they loved each other. And um, let's see, they loved each other. Yeah. That's just one more motive. How many women and kids are in Docus right now because someone loved them. And uh, Rourke says, that's not love. And Eve says the person doing the ass kicking often thinks it is, believes it is. It's an illusion like the game, but it feels real. A lot of nasty things grow out of love if it isn't tended right. Jealousy, hate, resentment, resentment, and suspicion. Even Peabody meet at the offices of Bart's lawyer. She provides them with documents and discusses Bart. Eve tells Peabody that she and McNabb are going um, to the con in Washington to pick up any information about a special sword that Eve is looking for. And Peabody's thrilled. Of course she is. Eve drops Peabody back at her apartment. (laughs) So she can get her geek on. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Commander Whitney is waiting by Eve's office. They discuss the investigation and agree to keep the details of Bart's death quiet so that the public won't panic at the thought of a hollow game causing death. Because, yeah. Whitney cautions Eve to make sure that the, the development of Rourke's game is clearly documented to avoid any accusation of unfair competition then eve goes to mira's office as mira prepares tea eve spends some time thinking about the differences in her style and mira's in office decor and clothing which is like a thing that happens pretty much every time Eve is in Mira's office there's always some sort of like inner like monologue about how mira is always put together or how her office looks and i'm it's so funny how Eve fixates on that kind of stuff because she's like, I don't care about fashion. I don't care about this kind of right, stuff. Yeah. But she's so observant. She can't help it. Yeah. It's, I, every, every time that happens, I'm always just like, Eve, you just, you are unaware of how much you get it. Right. And you can never tell her that. Of course. Right. She's like, oh, no, I don't care. Right. I do. But also, this says, uh, she and Mara talk about how Bart's clothes reflected his love of gaming and how he was a happy, well-rounded person. So it does tie in. I mean, talk of clothing. Yeah. Yeah. Because Nora's a genius. (laughs) Uh, Mara agrees with Eve's assessment that the killer is someone Bart knew and trusted. They discuss the possibility of two killers. Uh, and the house droid being used for the killing and reprogrammed or replaced. Eve says the murderer didn't the murderer didn't like losing and blurred the line between fantasy and reality. Uh, then Eve goes to EDD. Feeney complains that Eve sent McNab off, and now he has to do McNab's work. Eve points out that 
he asked him first. <laughs> even Feeney. If I asked. Yeah. <laughs> uh, even Feeney discussed the possibility of the Princess Leia droid being involved in the murder. Um, Eve asked Feeney to take another look at the droid at, and at Bart's gaming records to see his pattern of play what version of the game he liked, who he played with, and who he beat. Um, but yeah, that's when, I think that's when Eve gets her first look at the Leia droid. Yeah. And, you know, she was all like, uh, that's not an outfit of somebody who's like a warrior. <laughs> that's not a warrior outfit. You're not gonna- and everyone's like, Eve! Yeah. Well, Feeney is like, oh, no, this is very classic, like, and he knows exactly where the outfit's from. Right. (laughs) Yeah. She's a badass. So obviously Eve hasn't seen the Star Wars movies. I hope Rourke fix that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I I would think so, because I'm, she said something to him about the Leia droid, right? Yeah. Yeah. I don't remember what, but yeah, she does. So, yeah, he would have said like, well, we just have to watch the movies and Mm -hmm. then you'll understand. Uh, they go back to you play. Eve enters a very subdued you play office. She talks to Var and Syl separately about their responsibilities at the company, about the development of Fantastical, and about the kind of games Bart liked to play. Eve goes to Benny's office, and he's not there, but she notices all the images of his partners that he has displayed around the room. After she tracks him down in the lab, they talk about how Bart helped write and program various games. Uh, so Peabody and McNabb are undercover at the game con, keeping alert for any mention of game swords. But also, you know, they said there was some scene where McNabb says something like, they have a sex simulation game over there. Yeah, I <laughs> told you. I was like, well, you know, I mean, that's research also, right? That's research. <laughs> oh my that God, you guys. terrifying, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> but also like, what would people <laughs> just like you're yeah, in the middle like, of a I con? Don't, I don't actually. Yeah, I don't. I don't know that I want to know the details about how that works. No. Yeah, honestly, but Not you're in the middle of a con. Who's like in the middle of a con and goes like, they have sex games over there. Let's go do that. Like, let's go do it. Peabody and McNabb. That Peabody, too. I guess so. Because they're horny. <laughs> they're fucking weirdos, man. They're horny. They are fucking they're horny, weirdos. They're horny weirdos. Yes. Horny weirdos. That's what we love. It's the name of this episode. Horny weirdos. (laughs) Horny weirdos. Horny weirdos. (laughs) As Eve finishes her report in her office, Nadine first comes in with cookies. She reminds Eve of the launch party for her book about the iCoves and their clones. Nadine is nervous, but Eve tells her why the book is good. Nadine, feeling better, leaves, and Eve eats a cookie. Well done, (laughs) Eve. I'm so happy for her getting a cookie. But also, you know, again, Eve just like knowing the right thing to say, even though she doesn't seem like a person that would know the right thing to say. Yeah. Knows exactly the right thing to say to calm Nadine down. You know, the book's amazing. I thought thought it was great. You know, you're going to do great. And Nadine's like, okay, so good job, Eve, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Then Eve (laughs) is on her way to EDD. And she gets stopped by Reineke, who tells her about uh, his case. Yeah. And the current case, and he asks her, you know, what she thinks. And basically, it's where the wife sends her husband out for a pizza in the middle of the night. 
and basically so her boyfriend could attack and kill the husband and make it look like a robbery. Right. With a, with a pipe, I guess the guy attacked him with a pipe. Um, because later something happens and, and something about that, that, because, you know, Nora never puts anything into these books that doesn't like tie in somewhere. Mm -hmm. True. And, um, I can't remember what it is that she, that comes up and. It comes up. Yeah. Not too long from now, actually. I don't think. Yeah. While she's in EDD. Yeah. Yeah. Because he, he um, took, he, he left the pipe wrench, but he took the pizza. Right. He's the guy yes. who's bringing the pizza back and he left the pipe, the pipe wrench, which was worth a lot ass. of money probably. And just took pizza. Right. Oh. I, I just wonder what they were talking about. When you run the games, prioritize anything with swords. It's people. It's pizza and a pipe wrench. And Feeney says, what the hell does that mean? And she says, yeah, no point in wasting a good pie. No point in bringing a sword to a blaster battle. You want to make use of what you've got and take what's useful with you. He took the sword but left the disc. The disc would be useless to us after self-destruct and incriminating to him if he found, if found in his possession. Um. She struck her hand in her pockets and said, um, sure, a woman says to the husband, says to the husband she wants dead, hey, honey, I've got to have a pizza. And, you know, <laughs> she tell, she says something about, yeah, you know, the, sends the husband out for a pizza. And then Feeney says, what the hell does that have to do with this? <laughs> Working it out. The guy goes for a pizza, going to get lucky. So, hey, it's worth the walk. The wife who wants him dead has her lover waiting with a pipe wrench. Smack bang. No need for a divorce and all that bother. No point in losing the nice chunk of life insurance. And, hey, there's a nice fresh pizza. It's a little mean, but efficient and practical, too. Take the pie and leave the wrench. Leave the gun. Take the cannoli. Rourke says. Where's that from? That's got to be. That's got to be from something. It's from Godfather. Oh, okay. Like, I, how do you not know that? Like, I thought everybody knew that. <laughs> Tara, did you know that? I didn't know that. See? So, oh my God. not everybody Take knows care. that. I thought you. Should, okay, everyone knew that. Out of here. <laughs> yeah, Jenna, it's just I, me. Know stuff I don't know. know. I know random shit like that. I guess. I mean, I don't know most things, so yeah, I know it was from something. It's from the Godfather. Okay. So anyway, whatever Reineke said, the point is, whatever Reineke said makes Eve, it turns a light bulb on in Eve's head or something. Yes. And she's like, okay. <laughs> right. That, but she, that's the kind of thinker she is. Like, she gets like a, a spark from just hearing the right thing. Right. Right. That's why she's a great detective, not. Yep. So Eve is back working in her office when Peabody comes in. Eve immediately knows she said sex. <laughs> Peabody says they were doing as ordered, playing games at the con, <laughs> which I she's mean, not wrong. She's not and, lying. And they not also wrong. had sex. Um, Eve wants to know what kind of games. Peabody reports that nobody had heard of any kind of sword that 
of the kind that he was looking for. And there were no indications that it had been custom made. Peabody presents Eve with a toy derringer that gives out lame insults when the trigger is pulled. And Eve is amused. It's so great. Because Eve just, you know, it's what I love is that first of all, Eve thinks it's so funny and, and she genuinely says thank you to, to Peabody. Yeah. And then after Peabody yeah. leaves, she like shoots her computer and she shoots, <laughs> you know, she's like yep. shooting the gun, you know? And then when Rourke comes in later, she points the gun at him. And Dude, I love when she points it at him. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's just so funny. I love that, you know, he stops and has a conversation with Baxter and Baxter makes some, you know, beheading jokes or yeah. well, some. I mean, that's the. I mean, you gotta. <laughs> yeah, you can't not. Where's Eve in her office trying to get ahead? Ha ha ha! I mean, <laughs> you've had all day, and that's the best you can come up with, <laughs> right? <laughs> and he's like, "No, Listen, that's what I have left because all tired. the all the best ones are <laughs> already said." And also, you know, they're tired. They right, you know. yeah. You can't always have the best jokes, right? So. Eve and Rourke drive through the city. Eve and Rourke discuss which partner could have killed Bart. Um, Eve concludes that they all had means and motive and could have found an opportunity. Eve is happily surprised when she sees that Rourke has brought her to dinner at Palumbi's, where she had her first slice of pizza in New York. Yep. Her first New York pizza, which is so lovely and love a little bit of nostalgia. Yeah. Um, after dinner, Eve asks Rourke to drive by Uplay. They see that someone's there. Eve says that either the murderer is feeling regret or that it has only made him, her feel more powerful. She says that she understands that because of killing her father and talks about the first time she took a life on the job. Yes. Eve tells Rourke that at least one of the partners is wondering if they'll feel the thrill of killing again. Um, then they go back to the mansion. Eve works in her office, trying to visualize how the killer got into the hollow room. She can't figure out why Bart's body indicated signs of struggle if the killer had the weapon ready. She goes to Rourke's weapons room and takes out a broadsword. Somerset appears and tells her the weapons are for display only. <laughs> I just love that whole little yeah, like, exchange. It's so, I, I, I was like, someone said, what do you think she's going to do with it? Right? What, what is Eve going to do with it? Right. They're just playing their, their usual bullshit game. Yep. Exactly. That's but, all. Well, uh, you know, the real, the real problem for Somerset comes later because after Eve like gets in the, the um, elevator to go back up to her office and or Rourke's office, um, Somerset's thinking he better not be patching somebody up later on tonight. <laughs> Right, because that's really what he's concerned about. Right, somebody's going to get hurt. Completely valid thing to be concerned about, honestly. Yeah. So they go into the hall room, and I think this is where Eve makes a joke about Rourke bringing his sword and his other sword. It is, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Rourke reenacts the first scenario that Bart was playing. There are no sword fights within the time frame which Bart played. Eve takes the usurper scenario and ends up facing the Black Knight. Eve has to ride a horse in this scenario and just keeps hoping that she won't fall off it. That that was funny. Yeah. Yeah. 
She's like, no, I don't, I don't want to do this. Yeah. She decides it's the scenario that Bart was playing when he died. The murderer may have programmed himself in as the Black Knight using a real weapon. Since only the Uplay partners knew the details of the game, Eve says this evidence may be enough for her to talk her way into a search warrant. Um, later that night, Eve dreams of her victims and murderers. Her father is there. She watches as Bart loses his battle with the Black Knight, who then turns to her. Uh, all she has to defend herself is the knife she used to kill her father. Because, of course. Yes. Eve wakes from her dream, feeling the edge of the sword at her neck, where it comforts her, telling her she's not alone on the battlefield, and they do the thing. Yep. It is time for them to do the thing. It was. Now, the person that did this outline says, Note, this might be a possible Yanni. Rourke tells Eve that I knew you for a cop the minute I laid eyes on you, but in Naked, it isn't until she introduces herself as a cop that he realizes it. It is a Yanni. That bugs me every time. (laughs) Seriously, because it's not the first, it's not just in Naked. He said it, he says it multiple times throughout the series that he didn't know she was a cop when he first saw her. So it's just. What, what does he say in yeah. Naked? He, I can't remember right off the top of my head. But he says it. He definitely, yeah. He did definitely not. says it multiple times throughout the series that he didn't know she was a cop when he first saw her. I didn't make you for a cop. Yes. Yeah. And that irritated him. Yeah. You're right. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Yanni. Yep. Um, <sighs> So you know, know what? You yes. know what? We can think what? of it as a Yanni, or we can think of it as Rourke just misremembering because we love how like how men just change the story. Okay, but also <laughs> there's I'm pretty sure it's in this book. Rourke is perfect yeah. though. <laughs> I know. There's he, there's a mention of the diamond and that Rourke had given it to her the day he told her he loved her, which no, that's not true either. He gave it to her in glory. And he had already told her he loved her back in Nate. Right. So, yeah. I didn't remember that one. I didn't, I mean, I didn't think about that. It bugs me every time. <laughs> well, maybe Nora was like, oh, you know, it's been so long ago. None of those people will ever. <laughs> uh-huh, yeah. She's so wrong. Nora wasn't us. ready for Jen. She wasn't ready for Jen. Right. Or anybody else, apparently, because we all. Or anybody else. Because, yeah. yeah. That one is, I didn't think about Um so the next morning, Eve enjoys her usual morning routine, but decides to shake it up a bit and gets breakfast for herself and Rourke. Mm-hmm. Eve says the killer knew Bart's routines mm-hmm. because, you know, again, Eve is thoughtful that way in times where she thinks like, you know, oh, I could do mm-hmm. this. Mm-hmm. It's just that most times she just doesn't think of it. And, you know, she's got a lot on her mind, yeah. so we can't, but, um, you know. It's not like she never thinks of doing good, nice things for work. Right. She always thinks of doing nice things for work. People just pretend like she doesn't. Yeah. People so see what annoying. they want to see, unfortunately. Exactly. Because yeah. they're basic. So back at Cop Central, Eve convinces Sherio to work on getting search warrants for the partners' homes. Then even Peabody go over to Cece's apartment. Even Peabody talk to Cece about Bart and his partners and their relationships. Bart was annoyed with Syl because she had gone over the marketing budget. 
Bart and Var had words over the direction of the new game, and Benny was angry with Bart after Bart beat him badly at one game session. After they leave, Eve learns the search warrant for the partner's homes has come through. She orders Peabody to arrange three search teams. Eve reports to Whitney that she thinks the murderer acted alone. After listening to Eve, Peabody says that Eve knows who it is. Neve says she's leaning towards one. The partner resented Bart's leadership role in the company. Eliminating him gives the murderer the room to fill the void. Mm-hmm. Uh, back at Uplay, Eve tells Silvar and Benny that their apartments are going to be searched. Uh, the partners are very angry. They contact their lawyer, and Benny goes to oversee the searches. Even Peabody noticed that Benny is very protective of Sil. So he loves her. He loves her. And Sil really overreacts a lot. Do. So at Sil's apartment, Peabody tells Eve that Jenkinson, Reineke, and McNabb are working on the search of Sil's apartment. Benny, upset, tells Eve that Sil is very protective of her space. He gets particularly angry when Eve takes Sill's journal. Eve observes that Sill's apartment is spacious and comfortable with a few frills of feminine. Her office is cluttered, but there's an underlying order. As Eve leaves, she tells McNabb, get all the data from the holodog as soon as possible, and he says he's going to concentrate on Sill's journal. So next they go um, to Var's apartment. Um, Peabody worries about what shoes to wear to Nadine's party if it rains. <laughs> yeah. And Eve loves that conversation. She does. <laughs> well, it says Eve makes her stop whining and stop talking about shoes by promising to send a limo for her. Peabody hugs her much to Eve's distress. Um, so Var's apartment takes the entire west side of the top two floors of his apartment building. His space is muted and masculine with sleek avant-garde furniture. He has prop weapons. He has a prop weapons collection. His office is much more organized and tidier. Like Sill, he has a lot of costumes and work gear. Var has three mechanical droids, but they're not humanoid. I think that's specifically, he says, they don't look human at all. Yeah. Um, Carmichael, Foster, and Calendar work on his apartment. Eve leaves. Eve tells Calendar to get data from Vart's, Var's hollow room. In Benny's apartment, Baxter, Trueheart, and Feeney are working on Benny's loft, and uh, it is set up as the quarters of Commander Black on the Intrepid from the vid game StarQuest. Feeney tells Eve that Benny's droid is a replica of Alfred, the butler from Batman. He's insulted when Eve's not properly impressed with Batman, whom she calls a vigilante with psychotic tendencies who dresses up in a weird bat costume. Eve. <laughs> well, she's not wrong. She's not wrong. He's got issues. It's Batman has issues. You do have issues. I mean, that's just how it is. Um, Trueheart tells Eve that Benny tried to sneak out a photo of Syl. Um, which is very telling to Eve. And Benny's parrot Mongo talks to Eve. <laughs> That's a great scene too. I love the parrot. I love Mongo. Yeah. 
He's honestly an icon. <laughs> right? Yeah, it's, right. It really is a great it's a, name. He's a he's a fucking icon. Yeah, fucking icon. <laughs> and you know, it's so funny <laughs> it, because um, so I listened to this one. It'd been a while since I had read it, mm-hmm. so I was listening to it, and um, I mean, it's obvious. I mean, Susan Erickson makes this very deliberate um choice to with Benny's accent. Mm-hmm. And for some yeah. reason, I was thinking like, okay, that's a choice you could make, I guess. <laughs> um, but then I realized that no, Nora does kind of um, uh, describe Benny as some guy that's got, you know, uh, dreads and yeah. has a accent. So I'm well, like, I don't remember, oh, okay, so I I guess don't remember her saying he had an accent, but I believe that. Um, I'm pretty sure it, it says that, um, he has an accent. I mean, I believe um, you. I just, I don't remember that being said. Uh, no, I, well, now I've said it. So I want to, <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. sorry. in a pretty voice with just a hint of Island breezes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Fair enough. And I didn't remember that either. So when I when yeah. I was hearing her say his, you know, talk in his voice, I was like, huh. But then, <laughs> yeah. oh, yeah. I remember she's, the dress. Right. I remember the dress. I just, I didn't remember her saying that about the voice. Yeah. So. Good job, Susan. Uh, I, Good job, I, Susan. <laughs> Susan. Susan knows what she's doing. She does know what she's doing. There it is. Yeah. Sometimes she does make a, make a choice, you know, just because she doesn't know for sure. And like Baxter That's being was, southern, huh? like Baxter being southern, like Baxter being southern, <laughs> or Leonardo being Italian. Yes, right. But um, because she doesn't know otherwise. But uh, right, yeah. You know, so but in this case, she did know. So, um, let's see. Eve sends Peabody to work with a team on Sill's apartment while she splits her time between Benny's and Farah's apartments. Eve feels at a disadvantage because she thinks the answer to the murderer's identity is in the electronics. Um, so later on at Uplay, this is Bart's memorial. Eve introduces herself, herself to Bart's parents and tells them that she's determined to bring his killer to justice. Mm-hmm. Syl tells Eve to leave and accuses her of passing data to Rourke. So, yes, yeah, Syl's very angry. Like still is not pleased. She is not pleased. No. But you know, having all of their apartments uh you know, searched and all of that. Yeah. But of course Rourke comes in, it's like, why don't we go outside and talk? Yeah. So he takes Syl outside and so she can blow off some steam. Benny comes over to demand to know what happened with Syl. Eve asks him how long he has been in love with Syl. Uh, Var, also angry, tells Eve to leave them alone. Eve says Bart is hers now as much as theirs and tells them that she'll find out who the murderer is. Mm -hmm. Um, Rourke and Eve speak briefly before they each return to work. He told Eve that he let Syl know that his company had a similar product ready to go onto the market, and I felt kind of really bad by that. (laughs) Yeah. Like, she's all, like, you know, storming out there and, like, yelling at him because they're saying that they're looking at them like Eve and Benny are looking at them through the window and 
Syl's like yelling at Rourke and Rourke is just standing there taking it. Yeah. And you can just He's imagine like, okay. Rourke like saying, okay, now that you're done, we already have that technology and we're going to be on the mark right. before you. So, yes. <laughs> so sorry, not sorry. <laughs> sorry, not sorry. No, he is sorry though. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, he is, but he isn't. He's sorry that he has to say this to her. Right. He's not sorry that he has the technology. Right. Right. And like right. he says though, you know, his company's game isn't going to diminish their work. So, right. you know, it's just it is what it is. So, yeah. Back at Cop Central, Eve's working when Peabody tags her and tells her the searches are finished. Eve realizes that she's running very late for Nadine's party. Of course. Of course she is. Yeah, and no one is surprised to learn this. No, no one. No one is surprised. Uh, so she gets to the mansion. She rushes to the mansion. She gets to the mansion. She sees <laughs> Somerset is dressed in formal wear and learns that he is also going to the party. And then she's horrified. Right. <laughs> He tells Eve that he'll explain why she is, as usual, late. He tells her that they are waiting for her upstairs. To Eve's horror, Trina is there. And she's like, wait, no. <laughs> <laughs> Trina tells her she can't go to the party with a superior man flesh looking the way she does. <laughs> she sits with Eve in the portable salon chair. or She sits Eve in the portable salon chair in the bathroom and gives her a quick facial and hairstyling. Rourke admires the sleek style of Eve's hair and shows her the dress that Leonardo has designed for her. That's the color of her eyes. Which is awesome. And honestly, I'm just going to let you know ahead of time. Okay. Somebody, somebody is complaining in the re-review, the reviews about Rourke in this book. And they, they talk about this scene in particular. So get ready for it. When oh we gosh. Get to it. What? Why? Where, why you would have an issue with this scene what? is nutty. That's insane. But the person has an well, issue with this Well, of course they scene. do, because they don't uh, understand things. Right. People are dumb. He's perfectly lovely in this scene, I and I don't too. know why you would complain about anything. Yeah. But they find something to complain about, trust me. Wow. Even Burke talk with Peabody McNabb and Mavis and Leonardo. When the others go off, Mavis and Eve talk about their friendship and what might make Mavis want to harm Eve. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you know, As it might be he do. was just curious. Like what, hey, yeah, what would you? Well, I mean, she's thinking about yeah. this case because she always is thinking about the case. And she's like, so what would make you kill me? Just important just friend conversations. Out of curiosity. Honestly, important friend <laughs> conversations we need to have. Exactly. Then she, sh oh, well, Mavis tells her would be if Eve slept with Leonardo. Yeah. So, <laughs> like that yeah. would never happen. But, uh, no, no. Uh, Mavis then shows Eve baby videos of Bella in a way that is really annoying. <laughs> like, is this the time? Is this the time for this? It is not. Well, it's just, it's more how she's yeah. talking, you know, um, about Bella. Like, you know how, e how uh, Mavis, Mavis is, is yeah. you know. She's the baby girl of all baby girls. Yep, sure. Like, okay. <laughs> and he was like, hmm. He was okay. like, okay, whatever. 
And uh, but then the next the next uh, chapter starts with Eve didn't know if Bella was the baby girl of all baby girls, as she didn't have much experience with babies of either variety. But the kid was ridiculously pretty, especially if you overlook the drool. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) you have to be willing to accept the drool when there are babies involved. I'm just saying. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it says, still, she was happy to be spared watching Bella clap her hands, blow kisses and babble a second time as the men came back with the drinks. <laughs> I mean, so yeah. she's happy not, for, for Mavis for to a point. Right. Yeah, it's not the time for that. Yeah. So um, McNabb reports that Sills journal is tricky, but he wants to continue working with it. Even more, congratulate Nadine. Um, she starts to take Eve off and give, and Eve gives her opinion of parties. You have to get dressed up, talk to people you'll never see again, and you don't care about their opinions or their life story. <laughs> Which really, I mean, that's right. she's, she's right. right. Yeah. <laughs> um, Nadine privately gives Eve a printed copy of her book. And shows her that the book is dedicated to her. And it says, for Lieutenant Eve Dallas, courageous, relentless, insightful, who's, who honors her badge every day as she stands for the living and the dead. Eve is touched and embarrassed. Aww. And it's, I don't know if it's only me, but after that happened, I was, all I could think about was, which, which, did she have to hold the book the rest of the party? No, Nadine tells her she doesn't have to carry it around all night. Uh, I, I just Sorry. love that, like, Avery, you just think that way because that's, yes, that's a total thing you would do. No, and I love no, it. Nadine tells her she'll have the book sent, but so that Eve doesn't have to carry it around. She does all night. say that, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, no, she did, not have to part, carry, she did not have to carry the book around. Good. Back at Syl's apartment. Still is thinking about how much she hates the police search invading her privacy. She had grown up with a mother and a stepfather who never allowed her any privacy. She decides to play the jungle treasure hunter scenario of fantastical. She makes it through several levels, but is shocked when her game opponent, Delancey Quig. What what name is that? No, no. <laughs> that sounds a, horrible. Yeah. yeah. I'm sorry, yeah. Delancey. Quig. Quig. I mean, Tal- Delancey is not bad, but Queeg is sounds Queeg. like yeah. <laughs> was that like? Was yeah, that, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. yeah, okay. No, no. Um, <laughs> so her game opponent, Delancey Queeg, actually cuts her with his knife. She slips on the muddy path and falls off a cliff. Like you do. Yeah. So that's so that's. I know that we all have. Uh, um, maybe some issues with the tech. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know if, do we want to wait until the end to, to talk about I mean, that or we can talk about it now. Yeah. Because um, uh, to be honest, I, I feel like the first scenario is actually more, more plausible. Plausible. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Fair yeah. And um, again, we'll have people on. We review the reviews that say that all this tech is bullshit. Sure. You know, can't happen. And sure, I mean, they're probably right, but um, we don't know what the hollow room, what kind of right. hardware the hollow room is is uh, 
equipped with. Right. If there are lasers, mm-hmm. I mean, it's possible. Yeah, sure. I mean, when I first read this book 10 years ago or more, it was, yeah, back then it was kind of like, okay, okay, Nora, like this is ever going to happen. But the way things have been going, man, I don't know. <laughs> what I was going to say was, we worked in a manufacturing plant. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the product that they made was made with steel. You have to cut that stuff, you know. Okay. And um, right, they at one point had purchased a um, a laser cutter. So um, the laser cutter, you know, works great. Mm-hmm. Cuts through that stuff like you know. Oh yeah, for uh, sure. Very efficient. And um, so my point is that if there's any kind of a laser situ- a system in in a hollow room that you could control right. with any kind of precision. Yeah. I mean, that would make sense. Sure. Yeah. If you could pr- control a laser to in, you know, to come down and like Yeah. It would chop somebody's head off. Sure. Yeah. I mean, and they have they have this discussion even Rourke does do have this discussion of is this possible and Rourke is like I don't think so. It would take too much power or whatever. And right. he's correct. You know, it would take an incredible amount of power. And, um, but um, I, I don't see it as something that's impossible. Sure. I guess I never thought about whether or not it was impossible. I, I definitely just went, well, this is a book and it's fiction. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> I recognize that that is the lazy way to, uh, to take it in, but you know what? <laughs> I have less headaches over it. <laughs> you know, good right. point. Yeah. So, but um, here's why I think it's more possible, though, than the other. The other one is, yeah. Um, yeah, well, I couldn't, I, 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 I just couldn't see how that could be done um, because you'd have to fall from a height. And so right. they, there would have to be, you know, I mean, we're, we're assuming that the technology is such that you could actually feel things and you could actually climb there's, there's force fields or whatever. Mm -hmm. And you could actually, it'd be like, but how big does that hollow room have to be? Yeah. Yeah. Um, unless, um, see, and, and so it couldn't be that high. No. Yeah. Obviously. So something else has to be at work there. Right. Some other principle has to be at work. Um, and I guess if you, if the force field to simulate that dropping from that height, yeah. if the force field were to push down on her mm-hmm. like that, oh, maybe slam her into the ground at the same force that she would be slammed into the ground. If she'd fallen from that height, then maybe that is, um, is possible. possible? Yeah, sure. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I, that one is you know, that, that's you know more about this kind of stuff than I do. So I'll, I'll defer Which to you. Which is very little. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but I, you know, I mean, yeah. So that's why I feel like the, the beheading is more plausible than the other, but yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, yeah. It's fiction, like Tara it's was fiction. saying. Right. Exactly. But, so, so. but it is it is definitely a thing that makes you go, hold on, what? How does that work? Like, how does that work? Yeah. Yeah. So I get Absolutely. 
Benny and Var discuss Syl's absence and decide to go get her because they're at U Play. So we're we're here at U Play in the next morning, and they're like, Syl hasn't come in yet. Maybe we should go check on her. Uh, when they arrive, they find her cr- crumpled and bloody body on the floor of the hollow room. Benny cradles Syl while Var calls nine one one. McNabb brings Eve the open journal. Eve gets a call from dispatch telling her that Syl is being transported to the hospital in critical condition with multiple injuries. Eve orders a 24-7 guard on her to protect her. Um, Eve and Peabody go to the scene and get a detailed report from Officer Coble. Coble? I'm assuming. It's Coble. Who details Syl's injuries and tells her that he has Benny and Var in another room with another officer. They observe that the setup in the hollow room is similar to the one at Bart's apartment. Eve says the killer made a big mistake in not making sure that Syl was dead. Peabody contacts EDD and the sweepers. Eve begins interviewing Benny and Var, who both say that they want to be at the hospital with Syl. Peabody comes in and, as directed, starts a whispered conversation, including the louder words EDD, breakthrough, and recover data. <laughs> Eve pretends to give her an order. Peabody returns a short while later and nods to Eve. So I just love when Eve and Peabody set up these little, you know. Yeah. You're going to come in and yeah. you're going to do this. It's yeah. It's, yeah, they're a little. Benny and Var tell Eve that they, what they were doing the previous night, they confirmed that her security was in place when they arrived at her apartment in the morning. Eve officer, uh, Eve orders officers to take Benny and Var to the hospital and to keep them under observation. So later on in the hospital, Eve arrives where uh, the nurse tells her the injuries uh, looked like Syl had been thrown off a cliff. Rourke arrives when Eve says that Syl was a logical sacrifice in the game. He becomes angry and accuses her of not having any feelings and getting caught up in trying to win a game. And you're like, Rourke, you know better. Rourke, what, the what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. Don't, like, don't, seriously, don't. dude. Don't. Come on. <laughs> that was like a big dick moment there, Rourke. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. He knows um, better. He does he know does. better. But he is very upset about this whole thing. Yeah, I get it, but he doesn't have to take it out on Eve. No, he doesn't. Um, And especially to tell her that she doesn't have any feelings. Right. Right. Like, you know better, Rourke. You Man. know better. That was a low blow. Low That's not blow. okay. Uh, Eve strides away, hurt and upset, no wonder, and she takes a few minutes to calm herself down, then has the nurse nurse take her to a private observation room where she can watch the surgery. Rourke comes in and tells her that he is unspeakably sorry for what he had said. Well, yeah. He admits he's too close to the case, but can't step back. Yeah, he should be. Well, the one thing we like about Rourke is that he immediately apologizes. Yeah. Yes. I mean, it, at least yeah, he, he knows apologize. that he's being an asshole. Yeah, he does. Which you know, like that's that is something I actually like about Rourke is that he, like, he'll be an asshole. Well, I'll get mad at him, 
And then he'll be like, okay, but I did that wrong. Because most people who are assholes will be like, I, I do no wrong. Right. Yeah. Right. So. Yeah. Or they'll double down. Work. Like, yeah. Yeah. Oh what God. I did was wrong, but you this and that. Yeah. 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 And work doesn't do that. No. Rourke just says, yeah, I, I'm fucked up here. Yeah. yeah. I mean, sometimes he does that, but right now he didn't do that. <laughs> no. <laughs> and that's um, what we're talking about right now. Right. Okay. So Eve forgives him <laughs> and, and um, they watch as Syl battles for her life in surgery. Um, Eve goes to the waiting room to talk to Benny and Var. At her suggestion, they go out to get some air, but they are kept under observation. Eve asks Rourke to work with Feeney. Uh, then she asks Peabody to have Benny and Var agree to another search of their apartments to see what's different from the previous day. She details Sill's injuries and tells Peabody it doesn't look like a beating. Um, Eve goes to work in an office set up for her at the hospital. How convenient. Yeah. It's nice that they did that for her. <laughs> um, she asks to see Sill's medical records. Rourke surprises both Eve and Peabody with a meal. Yep. So very nice of him. The best way to make up with him. Feeney calls and updates Eve on the timeline of Syl's game. She tells him that she'll buy him 10 pounds of cow meat if he gets the game disc out of Syl's hollow unit safely. And then that is real. Okay, well, extra incentive. Right? (laughs) Yeah. Um, Eve studies the records of the scene and Sill's injuries. Mira calls and they discuss the killer's current state of mind. Eve sends Mira uh, the first responder's records. Mira agrees that the injuries could have come from a fall. Then Morris comes in and studies the records. He says Sill's injuries are consistent with a fall. He wonders how someone could fall on a smooth surface and have injuries that look like they came from a 20-foot fall into a rough landed landing area. You and me both, Morris. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Everyone who read this book. Yeah. <laughs> Morris discovers burns at the site of the entries, similar to what he found on Bart's body. Yes. Peabody interrupts to tell them Syl is out of surgery and the doctor is coming to get to give an update. One thing I forgot to say before was some um, also, when Syl's playing the game, um, Susan Erickson does a voice for this bad guy that okay. sounds a tiny bit like Rourke. Oh, really? And so I was thinking, I wonder if <laughs> it made me laugh to think of they programmed Rourke in as a bad guy. Uh, <laughs> that would be hilarious. That would be hilarious. Right? Like, what if they did that with all of their competitors? Just like <laughs> took a little nod to their competitors. Right. Yeah. Love it. I'd do that. I mean, I wouldn't think of it, but if I thought about, you know, running a company like that, maybe I'd think of that. Yeah. They're way far ahead of me on the creativity scale. Peabody interrupts them to tell them that Syl is out of surgery and the doctor is coming to give an update. Eve watches the partners as the doctor updates them on Syl's condition. She sees a quick flash in the eyes of one of them. The doctor tells them that she remains critical mm-hmm. and in a coma, and there's a possibility of brain damage. Eve arranges for the for an officer to be in Sills 
to be on Syl's door 24-7 and asks to be notified of any change in her condition. Eve visits Syl and tells the unconscious woman that she knows who did it and that she's going after him. She tells her not to give up the fight. Uh, she goes back to Cop Central, and on the way, Peabody arranges for a conference room for a briefing with EDD. Eve calls Rourke and asks him to come into her office and bring an open mind. Because I'm about to tell you something wild. Right, exactly. <laughs> and it's so, especially coming from her. Yeah. Yeah. This is what I'm thinking. And, and Rourke is like, uh, uh, no, that's ridiculous. Can't yeah. happen. But then by the end of the, what she was telling him, he's like, well, maybe right yep and of course he's saying like well you know my people are working on something similar <laughs> of course <laughs> she's like why would you, you know anybody even want that and he was saying that well you know for military training or you know yeah that kind of thing um yeah. that it wouldn't have a, a market because it would be too dangerous to give to you know civilians Eve convinces Rourke that the enhanced hologram image killed uh, Bart and injured Syl. She asks him to program a reenactment of both events, and he's a little annoyed <laughs> by that. Like, you know, I'm not your, like, slave boy or whatever. But then he tells her fine and, and then makes her leave her own office. I mean, right? I, don't, I know. Just I'm like, um, okay. <laughs> I'm, like, He's a I'm like get out if you want me to do this go bye yeah i gotta handle this get out of my get yeah. out of my your office right <laughs> my your oh we're office i mean basically um, yeah yeah in the conference room eve moves var's picture to the center of the murder board after peabody tells eve oh. that she won a bet with herself peabody tells her why she thought it was bar a bar <laughs> The bar. <laughs> She's like, why are you making a bet with yourself? Well, I can. Like, what? Uh, Rourke has done it before. Yeah. Eve reviews the two cases for the team and tells them the killer enhanced the uh, opponents in the game using a new technology programmed into the game as a weapon. And I think Feeney tells her that's science fiction shit. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Indeed he does. But guess what you're a part of, Feeney? <laughs> science yep. fiction story <laughs> for real <laughs> Rourke begins uh, oh Rourke brings in his crime scene reconstruction and Eve runs it for the team the geeks start discussing how it could be possible right Eve and Peabody discuss VAR Eve says he has such a big ego that he's absolutely certain he can beat them mm-hmm um, VAR tries to get through dummy files that EDD has set up in order to trap him because he is bouncing signals around. They're having trouble tracking him. When Rourke says he can trace from his home computer, Eve decides they should work from home. What a smart way of getting her back home. Rourke. Right. Rourke's but also, like, um, he's probably correct because he's always bitching about how shitty everything at Central is. Exactly. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, as they as they leave, Eve wonders if Bar has hidden. Why can I, Why do you keep saying Bar all of a sudden? I have no idea. You know, as they leave, they sound the same. They do. Bar it's just one bar. one yeah. letter. <laughs> as they leave, Eve wonders if Bar has hidden his work area in another apartment on his floor of the building. Foreshadowing. <laughs> 
Before they go in, Eve tags Peabody and tells her to send backup if they're not back in touch within 15 minutes. She leaves her communicator active so Peabody can monitor them. Eve and Rourke go to Var's neighbor's apartment. Eve switches on her recorder, knocks on the door. It is answered by an elderly woman, Tilda Steuben. <laughs> Tilda calls for her husband, Harry, and then goes to get tea. The room shimmers and the doors lock and Eve and Rourke realize it, it's a hollow. And the next thing they know, they're surrounded by swordsmen. And they notice that Var is watching them. Not actually doing anything. He's just, he's just watching them. The observer's circle. He's in the observer's yeah. circle. Yeah, he sucks. <laughs> <laughs> she tells him people are coming and they, they, he should stop. He won't stop the game says it has to play out. Eve and Rourke are outnumbered. Eve remembers her weapon, reaches for it, and begins firing at their enemies. Where Var is sitting there going, that's not fair. Right. <laughs> Look God, dude, you, you know, I mean. Dumbass. Sorry. <laughs> right. Yeah. You cheated. Yeah. Mass. Rourke uh, holds them off and tells Eve to fire at the controls. Rourke blocks a warrior from hitting Eve just before she hits the controls. The warrior's other hand uh, slides a dagger into Rourke's side. Eve stuns Var and eases Rourke onto the floor. She weeps as she rips her jacket to make a pad to stop the wounds bleeding. Rourke is in pain but tells her it's not bad. Eve calls for assistance. The backup team, Peabody, McNabb, Feeney, and Calendar, are there almost immediately. As the team secures... Var and gathers around Rourke. He sits up. Eve starts to object. He tells her to shut up and kisses her. <laughs> How romantic. Oh, so, I mean, it is for them. <laughs> it, it is for them. Yeah, you're right. It really is. So later at Cop Central, Eve watches the recording she made of the events with her team, Commander Whitney, Mira, and Cher Rito. Even after seeing it twice, Rio finds it hard to believe. Whitney tells them that the details must be kept as quiet as possible. Eve and Rio discuss the charges that could be brought against Farr. The prosecutor wants to make a deal to avoid the trial uh, and the sensational press coverage about the technology. Eve wants him charged with first-degree murder and attempted murder. And it just occurred to me just now, like... Uh, this sounds an awful lot like ChatGPT. I mean, not an awful lot like ChatGPT, but I can now, not then, but now you can kind of look look at it and go like, yeah, I mean, you know. Yeah. There are probably some things that ChatGPT is doing that they wouldn't want anybody knowing about. Yeah. Yeah. You know. That's frighteningly. It really is. Probably true. Yep. Even Peabody interview Var. He pretends to be sorrowful and says the new technology just needs work. Var insists the technology is all his, but Eve says he cheated since it was based on a game they all developed. Right. Var maintains that it wasn't his fault. Bar, uh, Bart and Syl chose to play and they were hurt because they weren't skilled enough. He is indignant when Eve arrests him and has Peabody take him down to booking. Rourke comes in and sits with Eve. She talks about Var and his false friendship. She says she never really understood what Rourke faces each day because of her job and doesn't know how she could go on without him. She starts to wish that things were different, but Rourke interrupts, telling her that he fell for who she is, which is exactly why we love him. Yes. Regardless of whether he's an asshole 
somewhere else in this book. Which, yeah. <laughs> he always is, and that's fine. Right. They leave for home with Eve threatening Rourke with Somerset and a soother. <laughs> <laughs> then there's a epilogue. They're in Sill's hospital room the next day. Eve and Rourke um, go into the room and Benny's there and they talk with him. Um, they tell him Var will serve 50 years off planet in a cage. Even Rourke tell Benny that he needs to let Syl know how he feels about her and that his staying by her side instead of Var saved her life. Which, yeah. Well, oh, okay. when, when Var goes to call 911 yeah. and yeah, he yeah, stays yeah. with her. Right, right. But yeah, it's a um, weird sentence. It's, it's put weirdly, yeah, here. Syl wakes up slowly and speaks to Benny. As Eve and Rourke leave, Eve thinks about going from love to friendship with Rourke and how that has worked for them. Yep. Thank you. So there we go. Yeah. That is fantasy in death. death. I really feel like I liked it better this time than the last time I read it. And I think uh, I only yeah, read it two other times. I would agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. This isn't one, this isn't one I pick up to reread a lot. So yeah. I, I yeah. enjoyed it. Yeah, I agree. Commendations. Anybody got any commendations? Yeah. Honestly, um, Benny, you okay. know, he, mm-hmm. he went through it. Um, it's very interesting because it's, it, in a weird way, parallels how the end of Innocent and Death goes, in which, like, Oliver Straffo is left hoping his wife survives and his right. child is in prison and his other child is dead. And, like, right. the 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 grief of being the person who is left right you know um and in much more than in innocent death because you know obviously a much different situation but like we've watched benny grieving from the second chapter of this book right and then like and i don't know i just Benny was always my favorite. Like when Eve got to the conclusion, like in the fourth or fifth chapter, that it was going to be one of the three of them. I was like, I, as long as it's not Benny, I'm happy. That is something I remembered. <laughs> yeah. 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 I was like, it can't be him. You know, I, I didn't want that. Cause I just liked him. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he's, I agree. He is very strong and he definitely deserves that, you know, that recognition of, of what, what it means to be the person who has to handle it all right now. And see, my pick, and I'm glad you didn't say this one, but it's very kind of in the same vein. My pick was Scylla because I feel yeah. like she, I feel like she really, you know, she kind of took charge after, you she know, did. after Bart yeah. got, and, you know, and she went through a lot of shit too. I mean, she's yeah, upset about the searches. She's upset about all these the things. Two of them, I want them, I, yeah. I want them to work out. <laughs> I believe that they do. I mean, I'm going to go with Rourke. I like it. Okay. I like because it. Because yeah. Rourke did literally take one for the team. He did. Yeah. You know, and uh, he, he was a dick in this one, but yeah. he really. He was also apologetic for being a dick. Yeah. Right. He did. He but he did a lot of work on he, it. He recognized why he was being a dick. So. Right. You got to give him credit. 
he was also very real about it, you know, like, yeah, he was also being stupid, but then he was like, okay, I was stupid. And just because Rourke holds in his emotions, he's very, you know, he's good at being in control of things. And like, he was very emotionally close to this. Yeah. And he kind of hit, hit a point of vulnerability in this. Yeah. You know, which is probably what led him to being a dick to Eve, you know, because he's so emotionally caught up in it, which is not, Rourke generally so yeah um, yes so yeah, yes absolutely. for all those reasons he's my yeah. he deserves a medal yep. he'll get one later but not for this, not case. For this. <laughs> he'll get one later I don't think we had any any uh, comments on this one but no we'll probably talk about comments on this one on our we were really reviews yeah for this particular one oh that's fine um, so should we go on to podcast business? Yeah, do we have podcast business? I do have podcast business. Um, we actually have several uh, like um, emails that I guess I just have been not sharing with you guys oh, for whatever not. reason. And first one is from Adina. And she says, something I've been wondering about ever since I read his first read his name how is reineke pronounced the way i've been saying it is ryan eeky reineke see same <laughs> well you you weren't saying reineke you were saying reineke yeah. yeah she she's saying ryan eeky oh okay and i'm saying yeah, that because different. i don't i don't know if you can see how she's putting it ryan eeky mm-hmm. see that okay i can't see it but yeah it's I, backwards Gotcha. So she's putting Rhine in all capitals and E E K E E. So that's okay. she's saying it Rhine. <laughs> and We're I told her to pronounce it however we want in our heads. Exactly. Yeah. Pronounce it how you want. But um I I I did answer her back and said, you know, the only thing I can tell you is Susan Erickson pronounces it Reineke. So that's how I pronounce it. So sure. Yeah. Um fair enough. Yeah. Melissa contacted us and said, hi, AJ, Jen, and Tara. I call the number, but I'm not very good at leaving messages. I was listening to the most recent episode, getting ready for Susan Eric- the Susan Erickson episode. I heard a comment someone sent in about just now finding your podcast. And I was like, yes, I'm not the only one. I found you guys several months ago, but only listened to the first few episodes. I started listening again not too long ago, and I'm up to March of 2021, where you reviewed Faithless. I, too, think the comments about politics, religion, were totally off base with this one. That cult does not represent any part of my faith or savior. A few random facts about me. I found this series in 2013 when Thankless and Death was recommended through my library. When I realized it was part of a series, I had to go back and read all of them. I've read yes. them at all at least twice. I'm rereading them with my husband. Good for you. Yeah. I've only listened to the audiobooks, but not only Susan Erickson as the narrator. With the library service, I use volunteers narrate books before they were able to use the commercial audiobooks several years ago. Okay. So she's mm-hmm. listening to volunteer narrators. That's fun. Um, So I've actually went through a few different narrators, which is strange when you have the voice created by the first one in your head. I would love to reread with Susan narrating them 
all, but the audiobooks are not available through my local library until the second half of the series. I love all the evisms. Her reasoning mirrors what I think in my own head, so they always make me laugh. I was curious if there were any other podcasts about the In-Death series, so I searched and only found a few episodes of other podcasts reviewing specific books. One of them gave a synopsis of Immortal and Death and got the ending wrong. The part just before the wedding. They said that Rourke (laughs) rushed into the room to save Eve. The other podcast was reviewing, I believe, Naked and Death. The hosts giggled when they talked about sex and wouldn't say the word. So I didn't think that would be a good one to pursue. (laughs) (laughs) So you guys guys is still the best one out there. (gasps) Thank you. And no, hot dog is not a sandwich. I look forward to revisiting my... (laughs) I look forward to revisiting my favorite characters with all of you. Um, I love that. Thanks for for joining us. Yeah. I do have her um, her voicemail. Should I play that also? Sure. Oh, yes, please. You guys want to hear? Yeah, we haven't had anybody call the yeah. number in a while. Hey, guys. This is Melissa. I'm calling in from North Carolina. I found y'all's podcast a few months ago, but took a break from podcasting and just caught back up. Um, I've tried to listen from the very beginning, but there's a lot of episodes. Um, <laughs> I found Nora when I was, yeah. let's see, 2013 is when I started reading for pleasure. You found Thankless and Death, and it was really good, but I haven't found anybody else who reads these books. Uh, so it was really great to find y'all's podcast. So thanks, and I always love your review or roast the reviews episode. Keep it up. <laughs> I love the roast the review oh, title. I love it. That's great. Yes. <laughs> yes. We roast the reviews. What, that's basically what we do. Yeah. Yeah. Also, I love your accent. It's very cute. Yes. It very is fun. very cute. Uh, so we also got um, email from Priyanka. Okay. I think that's how you say that. Okay. She's in the UK. And she says, hey, it was great to hear Jen back on the ep- episode, back on the yeah. last episode. It was. I'm, I'm doing a PhD in cancer research in the UK. And every time I hear people talk about their journeys, it reminds me of why I'm doing this. Sending you all the best wishes for a speedy recovery. Looking forward to the Susan Erickson episode. I look forward to listening to these podcasts on my way to the lab every Monday. And I can't believe it's been three years. Congrats. Thank you. Thank you, Priyanka. And you know, um, Best wishes to you and your research. Yes, for real. That's amazing. 100%. We need more people. Thank you for doing that work. Yeah. Yes. One more. Oh, from Justine Hopper. I sent you a message last week regarding this podcast, but I don't know if it went through. Uh, She's talking about the Glitter Blessings podcast. Oh, right. Oh, yeah. Glitter blessings. Uh, that's what glitter blessings sound like. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I haven't listened to this week's podcast yet. In summary of from what I said last week, I think it would be great to combine the first three books of the in-death series into two movies if movies were going to be made. I hate animation and this series would not work in animation. Holiday and Death is my favorite Christmas book, but should be opted out for a movie. Memory would be better, although I would love to see Eve looking for the Keats book 
in Rourke's library and Somerset's reaction. I also said that it would be important in movie form to introduce the secondary characters like McNabb, Charles, Louise, Crack and his sister, Marlena and Max, Eve and Galahad and other animals. Uh, I'm currently rereading Concealed and notice that Eve is offered a Coke by Brody's wife. So Eve does drink Coke during the series. I have other thoughts that I could mention later. Love re-listening to the series and look forward to the next podcast and book. Oh, awesome. Thanks, Justine. Thanks, Justine. Um, okay. So yeah, that's, I think that's all I have. Um, I don't know if we want to, do we want to talk about Elizabeth Vaughn? Um, we can, or we can wait until next week. Well, I mean, we'll just, we'll do it real quickly. So I did. Yeah. So anybody that listened to the Susan Erickson episode and any of the Susan Erickson episodes, cause I think every single one she's mentioned Elizabeth Vaughn. Yeah. Um, yeah. And this last time we talked to Susan, she said that Elizabeth Vaughn asked her to be the narrator because she had listened to the in-depth, listened to her as narrator of the in-depth series. So I sent a message to Elizabeth Vaughn and I said, Hey, you know, this is what Susan told us. <clears throat> Would you like to come on the show and talk about the series? And Elizabeth Vaughn, first of all, she sounds like a lovely person. Um, yeah, she's, uh, she sounds fantastic. And uh, she said, you know, I have to be honest with you. I actually didn't, haven't read this series. It's my friend that told me about her. And I thought, what the hell? I'll just ask her to be my <laughs> She didn't know anything. Imagine. I, Honestly, I love that story. I think it's fantastic. Uh, you know what? Thanks Us being honest. like, oh my gosh, we saw, I saw Susan Erickson on Instagram. Should yeah. I contact her? Should I not? Con- I don't know. Right. What do I do? Right. And, I you know, yeah, this woman because, is just like, eh, doesn't hurt to ask. Doesn't hurt to ask. Let's just ask Honestly, her. <laughs> like, you know, you, you can't do it. If you don't ask, you will never exactly. do it. Exactly. Right. Look so. what happened when she asked. Right. Yeah. That's a so, win, man. Um, that's, a, that's a huge W. Um, yeah. So, uh, she's like, I don't know anything about the series. If you still want to have me on, I'm willing to do that. And so we went back and forth and I think we still want her on because yeah, we a do. lot of you out there seem really interested in this series that she's been doing. Yep. And we and it's kind of off topic. Yeah. So yeah, but, we're all planning to read at least the first one, I'm assuming. Right. So, yeah. yeah. It it's a tiny bit off topic, but we'll find something to talk about. I mean, mm-hmm. not, how no, often we will. We, how often do we go off topic? It's fine. What? It's Us fine. go off topic? It's fine. Yeah. So uh, I told her, you know, give us some time, all of us to read the yeah. first uh, book in the series at least. Yep. And uh, then we'll get back to you. And um, that'll probably be somewhere in maybe September or October. Yeah. But we will have her on. We're determined because she's, yeah. she just seems so nice yeah, in, this, in these fun, emails that we've been sending. She, back yeah. The way she replied to you. I'm like, yes, that one. Yeah. She seems Yeah. Fun. She seems great. So we'll have her on. Um, so other than that, Next week is going to be, we did do our interview with Spencer, uh, intentionally bookish. Yes. It was fantastic. She was great. Oh, she's so um, fun. Yeah. It, it's a really fun interview. So we're going to play yes. that for you next week. And then after that, we review the reviews. Yes, ma'am. Where people complain about the tech in this series and <laughs> dumb complaints about Rourke when he wasn't being, being bad at all. Yeah. And these people are like, you know, yeah. he's a dick because X and we're like, but that's not when he was a dick in this right. book. Right. Plenty of times when he was a dick in this book. The time that this person's pointing out 
wasn't a dick. So I, you know, yeah, so that'll be interesting to, to read that one and, and go over yep. it. So, um, yeah. until then, um, yeah, find us on all our social medias. Like I said, say at the end of every single episode, look for podcast and death on Twitter and Instagram and all the things and all Facebook the things. and all the things go to our website, www.podcastanddeath.com. Um, send us an email at show at podcastanddeath.com. Call the number 205-476-2753. That spells out 205-4-Rourke. And I think that's it for this episode of Podcast and Death. It is. Ooh. So for Podcast and Death, this is AJ. This is Jen. This is Tara. And we'll see you next week, guys. Hi, guys. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Podcast in Death. If you enjoyed this podcast, please give us a five-star review on Apple iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. We would greatly appreciate it. Podcast in Death is hosted by Amy Ryan, Jen Terpstra, and Tara Corkery and is edited and produced by Amy Ryan. The opinions expressed on this show are for entertainment purposes only and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the in-death fandom at large. Podcast in Death is not in any way affiliated with Nora Roberts, Berkeley, Penguin Publishing Group, or St. Martin's Press. Our theme song is Justice Never Sleeps by Cosmo, and is available on Shutterstock.com. This episode and all of our previous episodes are available at podcastindeath.com. Have something to say? You can email us at show at podcastindeath.com or find us on social media by searching for Podcast and Death on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Also, you can call us and leave a message at 205-476-2753. That spells out 205-4-Rourke. Thanks again for listening. And in the immortal words of Brian Kelly, fucking slouch it to you.